Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett as ever. We are closing in on signing number one of the summer, despite posturing, despite weeks of holdup. It feels like United have actually got something. It's not going to be confirmed in, in June, but it... You know, they've got a deal done in July, in, in June, July. How are you feeling, Rob? Not bad. I think this is what the internet likes to call a done deal, isn't it? So here we are. Yes, Mason Mount will be arriving at Manchester United as the first signing of the summer, um, addressing, I think, a need that we've talked about a lot in the number eight position uh, for us. And yeah, they haggled for a bit, didn't they? You know, two, three, four million here or there. Still think it's a relatively steep price for a player on one year's worth of a contract. But you got it done. And this is a player that Ten Hag wants and Ten Hag likes. So uh, a good signing. I think that's quite important, right? I mean, we'll, we'll talk yes. in detail about Mason Mount at the start of the show. But the very fact that Eric Ten Hag is not having to settle for second or third choice in this instance is a positive thing. And uh, we'll talk about potentially... This might be David De Gea's last day as a contracted Manchester United player. We still, as we record this, we still don't know what decision he's made, but we'll talk about all the mess. I know we talked about it on the last show, but you know he's had his own say on Twitter with an emoji since we last spoke, and uh, <laughs> a bit of a yawning one. If, you, if you're listening on an audio platform, Rob is yawning and putting his hand to his mouth, like much like David De Gea, probably bored of the talk. But uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about potentially Andre Onana coming in to replace him. Anything else we might touch on if it comes up throughout the show. But we'll keep it really to Mason Mount and David De Gea today, I think, just because very pertinent issues. And we'll have enough to talk about with other players over the course of the next few weeks anyway. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube. Like, subscribe, leave a comment for us and uh, follow us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show. I also plugged my Instagram the other day and lots of you followed me. So thank you, Scott Saunders 89. Please do. Um, I, I might have to post on there more often if there are people who actually care that I, I am on Instagram. So uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who has. And uh, come and join us in Las Vegas from July 28th at UnitedCon, the place to be for United fans around the Borussia Dortmund friendly. We'll be out there 
busy, busy. We've just had a schedule through, so we kind of know how things are looking. Come and join us. Visit united-con.com to book your place now. Rob, you'll be there. You excited? Very, very excited. Another pre-season tour. So, yeah, it'll be cool, won't it? Like, I think being out there and, and being in Vegas and seeing the vibe with the fans out there will be really interesting, and it's good to go and chat to people about that. But just also good to be there, I think, at the start of a campaign. Like, we always talk about how important pre-season is. So, we, as journalists, we should be on these tours. We should be there uh, seeing what the team's doing. So, um, it should be a good time out there. It's going to be very hot, Scott. So, we'll be running around. It's going to be, I think at the moment, it's something like 112 out there at the moment. So lots of fluids What's on that board. What's that in Celsius? That's called very hot in Celsius. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I, I think I think that's like 43 Celsius, something like that, around that. Yes, 40 odd. So um, that big dry desert heat out there. I've been to Vegas before in that part of America. Um, and... Um, it's not very pleasant in that way so you're uh, yeah. around, if you're trying to work. So I think it'll be shorts and T-shirt weather. We are, we are talking about Vegas and the weather. I just checked it on my weather app. It's 27 degrees currently, but it's in the middle of the night. Sorry. Tomorrow <laughs> as it stands, 40. We're going to hit 40 Celsius, that is, uh, if you're in the US. And you I think do... that's 118. Yeah. Something like go. that. I'm not that good at converting from Fahrenheit to Celsius, et cetera, et cetera. But yes, uh, Las Vegas will be there. It'll be hot. I suffer really bad from jet lag. I've still not caught up yet. I've just been to Mexico like last week and I still have not sorted myself out yet. So jumping back over to that part of the world and coming back might be a challenge for me as the new season starts. But hey, it'll be worth it. We're going to Vegas to see whoever's out there with us and uh, enjoy Man United's preseason tour. Hopefully things go well. Things have started to go well for the first time so far this summer. The ownership issue, oh my god, we're, we're, if something happens, we will talk about it. But so at the moment it is oh, this side's confident. This side's confident. This side's confident. This deal's dead. The, oh wait, this deal's still alive and we'll wait for something solid even if it takes another 8 months. Wrong. Yes. Yeah. Look, I think I think as I've said to you uh, before, Scott. One one of the parties pulls out, then you'll know who's won. But while this is as it is, the only people winning really are the Glazers, and that's what the Glazers want, and they they hold the cards, don't they? So uh, I still think everything is up for grabs. I understand that there are some obstacles in the way for Jim Ratcliffe. There's no doubt. I think the the Qatar are in the lead. If there is such thing as a lead. Um, they're putting tons out into social media and there's a lot of all of this stuff with the people that are supporting them. Uh, but I think it's just a wait and see. It's not worth you and me here sitting for 20, 30, 40 minutes talking about something that could literally change in a heartbeat. Well, this is the thing I was just going to say. Like, It could be announced in five minutes. Yeah. It could be announced in two months. We really don't know yet. But obviously, you talk about the only people that this benefits is the Glazers. You're right, but also... The six siblings are squabbling, so you know. <laughs> and that's the bigger picture. That like, that's that's why we are where we are. This is the two brothers who obviously are the guys who run Manchester United, really, versus the stakeholders that sit on the board that have never been to Old Trafford in their life. So the ones who sit on the board would like the six billion, and the other two are kind of looking for a different package. So that's where the, the impasse is, and that's why this is going to, I think, continue for a bit. You're right, it could happen in five minutes. It could just get announced. But I do think overall, 
still might run and run. What isn't going to run and run anymore is Mason Mount's transfer from Chelsea to Manchester United. 55 million plus 5 million, the deal has been struck. I, we report, I told you on Tuesday on our last podcast, we did a story that day on 90min.com saying Chelsea will meet at 60. Chelsea will meet at 60. Man United aren't going back and paying any more than 55. And now they somehow found, Chelsea wanted to find a happy medium. They have found a happy medium at 55 plus five in add-ons, which I think are, you know, difficult to achieve. And if United do end up paying it, it'll probably be worth it. But I think both teams kind of, I think Man United have overpaid by about 10 million quid, to be honest, for the, the status of Mount. But in reality, Arsenal overpaying for Declan Rice. I know he's got two years left on his contract, but, you know, this this generally happens uh, when players are English and they are homegrown and this kind of thing. It's just the way that the world is. I think United have got a decent deal, to be honest. And they can come away from the deal saying, hey, we stood firm. We're paying 55. And if we go to 60, we'll have, bit, we'll have had a really good time over the last few years. And Chelsea are saying, hey, we're going to get 60. So I think it suits everyone. Yeah, Chelsea obviously are conducting lots of business themselves and they, they need to swell their coffers. You actually see yesterday the amount of, of player sales that were already initiating. They were already up to 250 million, I think, before this deal itself. But Mason Mount leaving the football club is another wage off there. Uh, it helps them. You know, it's kind of someone that, that really they could have lost for nothing in 12 months time. So I think they feel pretty good about the deal. And I think from the Manchester United side, it is really about addressing positional needs. And I think again, Scott, as we got towards the end of the last season, more and more and more, even though we've talked about the midfield before, like a billion times, we were talking about that number eight role. How do you make it work from the eight to the 10, from the six to the eight? You need someone in there that gives you the ability to press, the ability to do all that work, and also some creativity. Mason Mount is that player. I think he's a good choice. Not spectacular, but I do think that he'll come. I think Man United fans will like him. Not every signing needs to be spectacular. No. United have tried to sign spectacular for years, and they've ended up not being spectacular. United needs players who will work hard. I don't think you can say Mason Mount work, won't work hard for the team. I think... He, I think, is a smart signing. I don't think it's in two, three years. I don't think he would be an automatic starter if United are to get the squad that challenges for titles every every year that they want. But he's a good guy to have around the team. He will play a lot, and I think he can play a multitude of positions as well. I know we we feel like he's probably going to come in and play the minutes that Ericsson played, and maybe Ericsson flitters between coming on for Mount and maybe replacing Bruno Fernandes, giving him a rest as well. Maybe that's how the, the dynamic will work with the three of them. And uh, it's a good deal for me. And I think he's quite a likable guy. I think Chelsea fans are, some are really gutted. Hmm. Others are get out. I I feel, I kind of feel for Mason Mount. I thought he'd be at Chelsea forever. I've got to be honest. Yeah, do you know what? We don't want to judge fans like by the same tarred brush everywhere, but you do get these factions, don't you? So with the Mason Mount deal, and it's kind of on the United side as well, but let's talk about the Chelsea one. You get those that are invested in the club long term and want all those things and want people who represent them to stay in the kind of way that maybe Lampard and Terry once did. Someone like Mason Mount, he has won trophies there. He's been very successful. 
Uh, and yeah, there's this genuine kind of upset with some of those fans. And then you've got the, the fans on the other side that just want the signings, big signings, big signings every week. And as one Chelsea fan said to me yesterday, you know, you might go buy all these players and put them on seven or eight year deals. But in a year's time, if it doesn't work, that is a gamble not worth taking. You've just lost people who are in the lifeblood of your club, like Mason Mount. So I think the good thing for us, Scott, is that Mason Mount wanted Man United from day dot. He pushed for it. And this is something that he wants to do. And, and I'm all down with that. Because let's be honest, some of the signings we've made in the last 10 years or post Fergie, it doesn't matter whether they're big signings or small signings. There's been so much catastrophe, isn't there? People turning up at Old Trafford and not being prepared to work. So many signs like that. Do you remember, Scott? I'm going to say this. No offence to the guy. Memphis Depay, when he turned up at Man United, really happy about him coming to the football club. And I can just remember being at Old Trafford so many times and almost screaming at him to move and run. And he just was like, rabbit in headlights. I'm not quite sure what I'm doing here. Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Mason Mount won't do that. Mason Mount, his MO is to work. He's a hard worker. I think he'll be a really good number eight for Man United. You mentioned there about Mason Mount making it clear that he wanted United. Mm. Why do we think that is? Because like <clears throat> Liverpool wanted him. Yeah. Liverpool will Liverpool fans will go and say, Oh, United overpaid for him. We got McAllister for like 40 million. In reality, this is another deal where Liverpool are going to pay more for him. It's just the Liverpool side can say we paid this much and the Brighton side say we are, we will be owed this much over the course of the contract. And it's kind of like both both clubs, both players work. I would probably prefer Mason Mount over Exodus McCarthy personally. Um, so I think it's uh, good in that sense. Why do you think Mason Mount has looked at United and thought, I want to go there rather than Chelsea? Obviously, I think stuff's happened behind the scenes at Chelsea, which has made it impossible for him to stay. Yeah, Arsenal are signing well. I think he fits into exactly what they're trying to do. <clears throat> and Arteta wanted him early in the summer. Mm-hmm. And obviously Liverpool wanted him as well. Why, why United? I think Liverpool were in for Mount really early on last year. Yeah, So before, obviously, the end of the season. And they were interested in signing him. And after initial talks that broke down very, very quickly, because I think it seemed to be very clear that the player wasn't keen on the move. So they went immediately for McAllister and obviously got that deal done. And that's a player that they've been interested in as well for a long time. I think when it comes to Manchester United, and maybe as fans, we forget this sometimes, the allure to the outside world of our little Manchester United bubble is different for some of some people. And there's no doubt for, for English players that they still look at Manchester United as the kind of grand old daddies of English football. That This is a club where doing well at Man United means actually more than doing well at, say, Manchester City, because there's a difference in how those clubs are constructed. So I think with Mason Mount, leaving Chelsea was a big deal for him, but you can see he was being kind of squeezed out. Still had a good deal on the table, could have signed there, could have been there for a long time, could have played the game of, well, I'm a Chelsea boy and I'll just stay here and sit on the bench if that's what it is. But he doesn't want that. He wants to be able to do other things. I think the other thing is this, Scott, is that Manchester United, the perception to the outside world is that their stock is going this way. Yeah. So whether United do well or not, it doesn't really matter this year. But to the outside world, they're looking at the club as an interesting project. So there's a whole ton of players now that look at United as, as something viable that maybe 12 months ago, you know, maybe 12 months ago, Mason Mount's not thinking about Man United. <laughs> maybe Mason Mount's thinking, well, staying away from that and maybe Liverpool is my next destination. 
But let's be honest, Liverpool, you know, I just saw yesterday trending FSG out. You know, Ooh, there's yeah. there's lots of discourse at the club. And unfortunately, fans do listen to that noise. Fans, sorry. Players do listen to that noise. They have phones just like everyone else. And they see those things. So perception does matter. So I, I, think, he, I think he looks at United as something that he can help. A, play, a club that he could be an important part of. Well, you mentioned that he's a Chelsea boy. He is. Yeah. He's also a Portsmouth boy. And I'm sure in his welcome interviews, he will tell the story again of him being in the stands as a young lad at Old Trafford when Cristiano Ronaldo scored that free kick against Bournemouth, uh, Portsmouth. So was I. I and was so there. So was Rob. So Rob and Mason Mount have been in the same problem. I don't know. Were you sat close to the away end that day? Or... Uh, definitely within the stadium length okay, somewhere. Somewhere so in the middle. Rob knows Mason Mount. It personally. was meant to be. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure they'll lean into that. Um, and I think... That, that if, especially if you're if if you're a young lad, I don't know how exactly old he was at that time. I can't, I can't imagine he was any around twelve or something like that. Mm. I'm guessing. Yeah, I could be completely wrong, but he would have been a young kid watching a player like Ronaldo at his pomp at that time score a goal like that at that time live probably has an impact on you. Oh, a hundred percent. And and I think the thing is when you're eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That's where all of our earliest football memories come from. You know, for me, it was, you know, showing my age here now, the 1985 FA Cup final and seeing Norman Whiteside curl that ball in the bottom corner against Everton. And that was a huge moment for me. And it stays in your head forever. And Brian Robson was my hero. And those things stick with you. I think with the generation of like Mason Mountain around that, Cristiano Ronaldo did have a big impact on a lot of those players. Also Wayne Rooney. You know, we forget about Wayne now. We don't talk about him as much, but he was an iconic English footballer for English lads and and global football fans. So I think he looks at that as that even though Man United for us has been a complete horrible 10-year fall off the edge of the cliff, and we've we've felt that every minute of the day, Scott, to everyone else outside of the football club, we're still Man United. That red shirt still means something, that badge still means something to other people. And I think Mason Mount looks at that and thinks. Yeah, this is a good step for me. Obviously, we're good wage payers. Like, we we do pay good money. And we do have our aspirations and ambitions still. And we know that Eric Ten Hag really, really wants to win. And I think that's a big difference is that we've got a manager that players really want to play for. I was just, as you were talking, I had to try and correct myself about how old Mason Mount was at the time of that, that goal. Born in 99, January 1999. So he, he was alive. He doesn't remember the, the treble then. He doesn't remember he, he the treble. He might do. Um, but no, he must have been like eight or nine years old when Ronaldo scored that goal. So even even younger in a sense. So probably even more impressionable in a sense. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll lean into that when they announce him. Also, you mentioned Eric Ten Hag before I jump back in on whether he was, you know, how old Mason Mount was when Ronaldo scored that goal. He also played for Vitesse Arnhem on loan. Mm-hmm. In 2017-18. And I believe, if I'm right, that was Eric Ten Hag's first season at Ajax. I think. And because yes. I think Eric Ten Hag had the first season that year. I mean, he might have might have come in the season before. I, I don't know. And then in 2018-19, when Ajax were really, really good, he was at Derby. I think it's pretty much common knowledge that Eric Ten Hag wanted Mason Mount after seeing him at Vitesse. So this dates back a long way. 
and probably for somebody like Mason Mount, knowing that that manager wanted you when you were that young and developing, that probably means a lot for him as well. Maybe Eric Ten Hag has put the groundwork in over the last few years to, and the fact that they've gone for him straight away this summer, that's a manager that wants me, you know? Completely. We know that Ajax in that period did put the feelers out towards Mount's representatives about what Ten Hag wanted and why he wanted them there. Now, of course, at that moment, Chelsea had no no interest in moving on one of their like prodigal players. He ended up at Derby County, had a really great season at Derby um, and, and did really well. And I think the good thing is, is that Ten Hag te- has a track record of this, Scott, doesn't he? It's players that he obsessed about their development over a two, three, four-year period and then decides if they can help him. It takes, for instance, Zidane Iqbal. He's been with Zidane Iqbal for a year and he's decided, done, not interested here for the moment, let's move him out. So you look at someone like Mason Mount. We all know about Mason Mount now, don't we? Because we've seen him plenty in the Premier League. But this is someone that, that Ten Hag has watched for a really long time and he feels that he could be an important piece at Manchester United. I think also the price is important, Scott. Like, the fact that he's on this one year left of his deal. Like, if, you, if you're saying that Mason Mount's worth 55, 60 million, like, what are you saying that Harry Kane is worth? But this is where the game has gone now, that even players on short-term deals have got a year left, you have to kind of pay through the nose to go get them. Um, and clearly the manager, with whatever budget he's got, people say he's got limited budget. I kind of don't particularly agree with that. I think... It's as limited as what Man United want to do with it. Um, this is a player you could go get and and he wants to come to you, so make it happen. They've made it happen now. He'll be on a pre-season tour. And I think that's another big bit is that the manager wants to work with him on pre-season and get him kind of acclimatised to what is expected at the football club. Yeah, Ten Hag took over at Ajax in December 2017. So he was in that season. Where, same time. Yeah. In the same time. So, um, I mean, big plus... And you mentioned there you have to pay through the nose. Generally, in football, the reason why you pay so much for players is based on potential and longevity. When Chelsea paid all that money for Enzo Fernandez, they were paying because he was 20, 21. And yeah. that is a player you can have for 10 years. Mason Mount's got six years before he's 30. That's longevity. Exactly. And, you know, it makes sense. And it won't it won't be long now because of the way that the Saudi Pro League is going, is that that's only going to increase. So if you take someone like Mason Mount, yes, you'd expect him to want to stay in the kind of traditional top leagues of the world, Premier League, you know, La Liga, Serie A, something like that. But now obviously what you're seeing is because there's money in the Saudi Pro League is that players who are on expiring deals are now thinking, well, maybe I will go out there. You look at someone like Jesse Lingard, who's a free agent in the past, might well have wanted to stay in the Premier League, now might be looking at the dollars in the Saudi Pro League and going, hmm, two years out there, I'd be made for life. So that's, uh, that's again, inflated the transfer market with these players who are on expiring contracts. Whereas maybe two, three years ago, Scott, you might have got a Mason Mount for 30 million. Like you may, really might have done, but the marketplace is changing and evolving all the time. So tell me, Rob, why does Eric Ten Hag want Mason Mount and make it as succinct as you can? Well, there's, there are many reasons. How succinct can you get? Uh, but I'll try. The most important thing I think he wants is a hardworking operator in midfield who can play the counter-press and not lose energy in football matches. Because that is what Ericsson's kind of kryptonite is. Is that Ericsson is a really great footballer, but he's ageing. 
he can only do so much for so long in the game. And I think he still had a really good season last year. But someone like Mason Mount, full of energy. And his MO is about running. He's really great at pressing, really great at doing all the energy work. And he will allow Casemiro to be Casemiro. Casemiro can sit a little bit more, can kind of screen, be the number six, and he'll go be the number eight. So I think he'll take the weight as well, Scott, off those functions of Bruno Fernandes. It will allow Bruno to go and be Bruno at the top end of the pitch. That's why you buy a player like this, not because they're sexy, but because they help your other players become even better. Was that succinct enough? Well done. Very succinct. As we record this, we mentioned Liverpool wanted a player like Mason Mount. Yes. They're closing in on Dominic Schoberslai mm-hmm. uh, from RB Leipzig. Yeah. Good player. All right. But, you know, um, that is not Liverpool's top choice. Let's just say that. I think they would have preferred to take Mason Mount. Anyway, yes. Thanks, Rob, for putting that as succinctly as you did. Let's move on to poor Dave. Poor Dave. De Gea. Yeah. We talked about how it was unfair treatment, really, from on the club's behalf with the treatment. That, obviously, 12 years, you give him a contract. He signs it. You say, oh, no, you can't have that. Have this one. It's worse, but have it. Now, we don't know as we record this what De Gea is going to do. I don't even think this decision could has to be made today about whether he stays or not. There's another bid. There's another offer on the table for him, but he could, well, preseason starts Monday. So maybe, maybe he should decide today or over the weekend. Um, but the, the way that is panned out <coughs> is essentially Eric Ten Hag wants David De Gea to stay, but he doesn't want him to be his number one. I think that's been made evidently clear. He would like him to stay on maybe wages comparable to what Dean Henderson is on, maybe a bit more because he's David De Gea. And he wants David De Gea around in camp because he's a good personality and he never shied away from that last year. But David De Gea cannot do what Andre Onana can do. And that's the crux of it. So now Dave has a decision to make on whether he should just take the money on offer from United and be happy being either rotation or second choice firmly. Or you can take one of the offers on the table because I think there are from Saudi Arabia. So no resolution yet, Rob. What? How do you feel about it at the moment? I think it's really simple. Rob puts his neck on the block. David De Gea is not staying at Manchester United. Like, like none of it makes sense at all. And again, I said to you off camera, Scott, it is it's shocking, again, how Man United conducts a lot of this stuff because they could just make it clean cut, couldn't they? They're, they're not negotiating with De Gea. Like, that's not actually happening. That's been done and it's finished. De Gea knows what's on the table. De Gea doesn't like what's on the table. So, uh, you know, ultimately, again, I think as I said in the last show, if, if it's 120, 130, something around that mark on the table, he could go get 120, 130 at another football club. He really could and go and win football matches. So... David De Gea's career at Manchester United is over. It's over. And we knew it was over before when that contract was on the table. And then we found out that Manchester United, the, ta- the thing that they got their lawyers to prepare, decided that they weren't going to sign it after De Gea had. It, it's just strange, isn't it? And I don't think that this has anything to do with Andre Nana. I don't. I don't. So I think this is to do with inter-club politics and about what the manager wants. And this manager, yeah, he'd like to keep De Gea around. But why? 
you know what? Because he's a good personality. No, it's rubbish. None of that. That's that, that. It's it's all spin. So David de Gea will be leaving Manchester United. We're now getting to the point where his contract is about to expire. If he stays at Man United, it will be a massive twist of fate. Like it, there is no chance that this manager wants him as his number one next year. He just doesn't and want he, that. Why would you even sign the contract? If you know that and you say, oh, no, but you might get more minutes this season. This is going to happen again anyway. David like, Hay- at yeah. some point, you will be replaced. David Hay is at the point of his career where he can't wait around. He can't go sit on a bench for a year or two. Like, There's no point. You know, If he wants to earn money, he's got two offers from Saudi. No doubt there'll be more. So they're good offers and they're strong offers in terms of money. Yes, you're going to uh, uh, an inferior league. But let's be honest, there's a lot of players going there. So like, it's not like he would kind of stick out like a sore thumb but I just think the whole thing just is so it's so Manchester United this by the way you know hand over mouth emoji from De Gea I think what we interpret that from really is the abuse that he's getting from a lot of the Manchester United fans that's what it is his mentions are absolutely full of some of you guys out there maybe watching this but maybe not our audience but other people who might have clicked on this show today of going on your Twitter account and abusing a goalkeeper that's been a fantastic servant for the football club. And that's what that means. Because it's true. Like, you read it all the time. It's horrible. So, I feel sorry for David De Gea. But at the same time, Scott, he will end up somewhere. He'll be fine. He'll earn good money. His career is not over. And he's not Andre Anana on the deck. But these still work pretty well. And some football club will love him and will give him an opportunity. Football is a business. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the treatment De Gea has had, for, not only from the club itself, but you know some of the stuff. Some of the stuff you see Mason Mount get, some of the stuff mm-hmm. you see in David De Gea get about, you know, it's just not stop it. It's just it's not fair. These are people, <laughs> you know. It's fine to say you don't think David De Gea is good enough as a footballer. Yeah. Oh, he doesn't have the traits because he doesn't. I, I've said that. I've, I've pushed for that for months. Um, but there's a line, <laughs> so just I, I know, but like I, like you say, Rob, I don't think any of our audience would do that, and, and no. that's not the approach we try and take to these shows either. It's not sensationalist. It's not um, we try and talk frankly and just honestly, and we don't raise our voice and we don't go to extremes and this kind of thing. Measured, and that that's all it is. That's the way I look at it. I, you can't kick the ball. <laughs> that's it's it. a business. It's a business, and, and and I think as well. I think I did tweet previously, and I've said it before. But football fans' emotions about players and results and all of that 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 doesn't. It's not actually what makes the world go round for footballers. Like it really isn't. So you screaming at them is a reflection of you, not of a player's performance. So I, I think with David Hay, I don't actually feel like sorry for him because that's the world football has cultivated in terms of social media and the club itself. I think the club have treated him poorly, and we can call that out. And, and I think that a section of the fan base treats all our players poorly. Like I've seen Marcus Rashford still getting hammered every single day of the week by so-called Man United fans. I'm going to keep putting that caveat in there, so-called, because they don't like what Rashford does. And yet Rashford scored 30 goals and it's been fantastic for Man United in the last 12 months. So the whole thing of it stinks, Scott. But I think with De Gea, I just, I just for him really, and for everyone, just to get it done now and get get going. They are talking to Andre Anana and his people and they they look like they're going to put uh, forward a, a competitive package to Inter. And, and I think Inter will sell. Well, let's just touch on that because it is in the notes. I think 
the fee might be a bit of an issue. I don't, I, I, th- I see it getting done personally. Mm. I just think it might take a little bit of time because United, as they're continually saying, they don't have a lot of money. Um, you know, they, they released their financials the other day. The cash balance per the records is quite, it's quite low. It's lower mm. than it was when they last released them. But there is a revolving credit facility there, which I think is clear to send. And I think it's clear today. So that would have kind of allowed them a little bit more flexibility. Unless they're in breach of FFP rules. Which is the? Should we talk? Do you want to talk about Onana and FFP just in kind Can of do. one thing? Do you want to talk about FFP? Because I don't buy it. Do you? Um, I think what we all have come to the summary of now is that FFP was put into place for good reason, but FFP is mythology. It doesn't work because the truth is, if you've got money and you've got connections and you've got big blue chip businesses who sponsor you and you're connected and it's all a big ecosystem, Scott, you can just basically do what you want. That's how you pump money into your football club. And Manchester United are no different in that really, you know, and that's, and we're we're now talking about potential Qatari ownership and about the kind of the way that the Middle East consortiums run their football clubs. FFP has not damaged any of them. I think what we will see, Scott, is that it will change over time and that Man United in this window might well be cautious in terms of their spending. Let's be honest. Man United, over the last 10 years, even though the the appreciation in the bank account has been depreciating in in real terms, Man United have been continuing to spend and have spent about a billion pound on footballers. So let's not have our begging bowls out here and say that United can't buy footballers. They absolutely can. So I think with Anana as well, Scott, he is a a target which is gettable and has some cost value to it. And as soon as you get rid of De Gea's 350 grand a week off the wage bill, you can afford it. It's as simple as that. Yeah, uh, just to touch on the the financials, I'm not I'm no financial expert by any means, but I understand the the fact that United have been buying so many players and hit the, especially the budget and the credit facility so hard yeah. last year to San Casemiro and Anthony, etc. If you you're you need to sell players to kind of make that back to meet rev- uh, FFP regulations, this kind of thing. But they released their financials. This summer, United can spend up to 90% of the revenue that they generate. That, according to UEFA's rules, I believe. And each over the next three years, that goes to 80% and 70%. What's right. the figure now? Do you know the figure now, Rob? I think something was the was it like just touching six hundred million? Well, the the the, the, the yes, exactly. Yeah, and the according to those numbers, they're hitting fifty percent. Yeah, you know, so they they've got a lot of room to work with. I think a lot of it is, hey, we don't re- we're the Glazers, we don't really want to spend much money before we sell this place, like, and that's because because the Glazers are undecided in their own little civil war going around their family. That, that, that this is why they are cautious, but they've always been cautious in that way. 
but eventually they still do make transfers and they have done since the start of time. So this is a weird anomaly with the Glazers is that they've bought players, but they've not done it on their money. They've done it on our money. They've done it on the football club's money. And that's not going to suddenly change. It might mean that they're slow this summer. But, you know, I think Mason Mount show, Scott, and this is what I said in the last show, that kind of 10 million swing, 10 million pounds is a lot of money. But Manchester United have decided to swing that way. They've gone, that's what we want. We're going to take that. We want this player. So we'll pay that little bit more. I think it's the same really with Anana or any other goalkeeper. It's interesting that Raya is still on the table now in the sense that uh, Tottenham Hotspur decided that they weren't going to pay 40 million for that goalkeeper, that they were going to go and buy one for 18, 19, 20 million. So that was their choice. But Man United are not going to do that. They're not going to go and buy a number one for 15 to 20 million. They're going to buy one at around the 40 to 60 mark. And it's probably the other way. And Anana's stock is high. And once again, He's a Ten Hag boy. Ten Hag knows all about him, worked with him, and Ten Hag absolutely loves him. That's the right approach to go and get players your manager wants and knows exactly the way that they'll play and fit in his system. Yep. I mean, and just one final note on FFP, the noise around the club at the moment is we can't actually, we're quite, and even after, let's say Qatar do take United, that's not going to, like the, the noise is, it's not going to change, you know. The no. regulation, the problems will still be there. They'll they'll still have restrictions, no matter if billions float in. Well, we've seen it. Like sponsorship deals can just come out of the blue, <laughs> and that will that will offset it. Sponsorship so. deals from companies that don't have head offices. So, like, you know, this is the thing. I think the whole point of this is, is that Manchester United are at a point here, both with their Adidas contract and obviously with a shirt sponsor, is that they are kind of primed for different investment from different quarters. And I think when we talk about revenue, one thing you're always going to be sure about, Scott, is that Man United are going to make big revenues. Every single year, they could get relegated. Record projections this year. It's a record. It's a record. So they're at kind of their worst with the ownership, but record projections. And this is why Ed Woodward was kept in this place for years, because he was a genius at a lot of that stuff, even though he was awful at the football things, which is what we're worried about. So I think overall, Manchester United are still raking in the revenues. The profits are not fantastic. The the actual uh, cash holding, as, as, as I said, depreciated, and that does matter. But it doesn't matter when you're doing transfers. It just doesn't. And Man United, they get new owners tomorrow. You're going to get Qatar Airways here, Absolutely. and that's going to, and that will be the biggest sponsorship deal in the history of sport, probably. So that's Qatar just Airways and Bayern Munich have just uh, yes parted ways as well. We should talk about like that's that's the thing. Like that was something that's been going on for five years, right? And the Bayern Munich fans protested against it because they see it as sports washing. They don't want their their club and their their shirt to have that sponsor. And they finally got to a point with the renewal of the deal. Uh, the spin from the press side of it is that Qatar didn't want to sponsor them anymore, even though they are the one of the biggest clubs in the world and the biggest in Germany by far. But what we do know is that Bayern Munich said that they were not going to carry on that relationship and because their fans were protesting. So I think all that will just go to Man United now. That money will just probably transfer to the Premier League, which is a bigger league, and to Manchester United, who are arguably a bigger club. So, uh, yeah, that's all to come. Yes, um, there is more to come from us on the Promised Land as well. Probably next week now, though, because uh, we've had our we've had our chat for today. Any final thoughts before we wrap? No, let's see. I'm interested to see maybe uh, when the deal is done, what Mason Mount has to say for himself. I'm sure we can predict half of it. But um, 
But no, as I said, I think we'll end on that. Good signing for Man United. Uh, not spectacular, but absolutely. If he if he recaptures the form, Scott, he had the year that Chelsea won the Champions League, and that's what we all hope and we're kind of gambling on. If you get that Mason Mount, that Mason Mount was a really really good midfielder, and I think as a as a creative, but also as an energy player, you'll probably see that that's the end of maybe someone like Donny Van de Beek and a few others. Maybe Hannibal out the door. You you have to kind of wait and see. Um, as we said, Zidane Bell was moved out because Manchester United were anticipating bringing in another midfielder for that stock. So not a like for like, but certainly going to take all of his minutes. Uh, and Mason Mount, I think, uh, I, I think it's, when you look at him over five years, five or six years in his age, good solid signing. Good way to end it. What shirt number does he get? Yeah, Are you a shirt numbers guy? Mm, well, yes and yes and no. Like I know, like shirt numbers do matter. To, I think they kind of matter to fans more this day and age because they want them on their back. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What what do number do you I think Rafa Varane moves to Phil Jones's four, and Mason Mount gets nineteen. Possibly, I, I I don't hate that. I think that is a is a possibility. Or if he's going to be a kind of bona fide first team play, he might want one of those single digits on his back. Someone did suggest to me only yesterday. The number seven shirt that would is free. Me. That would surprise me. But it also then means that you don't have to have this conversation anymore about who gets the number seven. Should it be Sancho? Should it be Garnacho? You take it out of the mix because the seven sells, Scott. And that's what that's what United are interested in. It is a commodity. And an England footballer, an England international who might do well at your club, wearing a number seven has more value than a number seven from maybe your academy or a number seven. Mason Mount isn't flashy enough for the number seven. But no yeah. offense to Mason Mount. Yeah, do you remember a play we had? Do you remember a play we had once upon a time called Antonio Valencia? Yeah, and they switched back to twenty-five. He got the seven, and he hated it so much because there was so much pressure <laughs> that he said, "I want the twenty-five. I think Luke Shaw was once upon a time number three, and said, and then he "I don't, back to I don't want that shirt. It scares me. I don't like it. It means too much. Too many good players at Man United wore that number three. I would like my number twenty-three back." So players do care about these things, and I think Mason Mount. They said to him, "Do you want a number seven? And you're gonna." You know, we're going to build you up. We want to make you a superstar. You know, you're going to be our guy in midfield with Casemiro. Don't don't rule it out, is what I'm saying. Fair enough. If you are a squad numbers person, leave a comment. Because some people are, and they really, really like talking about squad numbers. And some <laughs> no. people don't give a damn. Um, I like talking about squad numbers personally. But uh, yeah, uh, everyone's different. That's been us today anyway. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well. Head over to the channel, like and subscribe and leave a comment for us on anything that we've discussed today and anything that you're feeling. Follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promise and MU for the show as well. Also Instagram at Scott Saunders 89. Thank you very much. And come and join us in Las Vegas from July 28th at United Con. Visit united-con.com to book your place now. Rob and I will be there to enjoy it. Thanks, everyone. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. Thanks, Rob. Thank you to me as well for hosting it. Why am I saying that? Thank but you, Scott. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you soon, everyone, for another Promised Land.